Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi everybody, welcome to the Wild Ninja Running YouTube channel live broadcast and accompanying podcast. Today we are talking to the most excellent coach and physio, Tim Piggott from HP3 Coaching. It's going to be all about eating right on your next ultra today, including pre-race organising and planning that can make or break your race. But first of all, Tim, you ran for Team Scarpa at the Lavaredo 120k in the Italian Dolomites a couple of weeks ago. Amazing stuff. How was that? Yeah, it was uh, an amazing, amazing experience. I mean, Lavaredo is just one of the absolute classic European mountain races. Um, and I hadn't been to Dolomites before, so first time running in, in Dolomites, and it is just unbelievably beautiful. Uh, I, I, yeah, the experience was just out of this world. Uh, my actual race performance wasn't what I wanted, uh, in terms of the timings, I, I just struggled with the altitude. I've been having some issues with uh, some asthma flare-up in the build-up to the race with yeah. obviously the very high pollen count that we've had here. And just I think lungs were just inflamed and just not very happy. So um, I've been to altitude many times in the past and been fine, but for some reason uh, I, I just couldn't really function above 2,000 metres in the race. But there you go. Um, yeah. But the overall experience of the race was still absolutely stunning. Uh, really well organised, beautiful course, bit of everything, um, and yeah, you know, great to be out there with the team and uh, achieve some good performances as well. So yeah, all all good, awesome. uh, and so love to go back and do it. Yeah, yeah, go back and do it again. Bit of unfinished business there with the with the pollen count. I'm just putting a picture up here of the um, how, I don't know how to pronounce it. Is it Tracime Lavaredo? Those yeah. three really yeah. toothy peaks. Did you get to see those? Yeah. It's absolute classic. Yes. So sort of getting up there as as the sun was coming up. Um, so the way the route goes, in some ways it'd be nice to do it the other way around because then you, you get to look at them. Um, so that, that view is very much behind behind you as you're coming over the top of that col. So I did make the point of just pausing a couple of times, just turning around just to take in the, the views as the sun is coming up and just lighting up uh, the Tresume. Uh, yeah. Yeah, oh, really, really beautiful. They look really nice. And for anybody just listening on the podcast, they're like three really toothy peaks jabbing up to the sky. And then in the photo that I've got um, up here on YouTube, um, they're sort of reflected perfectly into the lake below. So it just looked absolutely stunning. Um, were there any kind of standout highs and lows of the course for you? Obviously, you've mentioned that like there's a total ascent. Um, it's a, nearly 600 metres, isn't it? And it starts at around 1,200 metres in Cortina and goes up to 2,456 metres. Um, mm. at Forcella Lavaredo, um, obviously, so maybe that was one of your lows. But, yeah, were there, were there any kind of real standout highs and lows around that 120k course? Yeah, I mean, the the highs, just the views, uh, really, at all stages. Uh, you know, run, running through the forest, I, like, I love running through the forest. Um, so, you know, running on the lower slopes through, through the forest is a fun. Uh, but then most of the, the trails there, there were some technical bits, but not as technical as maybe what we're used to running in the lakes and uh, the race prior to that. I've done was Ultra Trail Snowdonia, and you know that is a technical mountain race. Um, so whilst there were some 
lots of rough sections underfoot. There's a lot of very runnable, lovely, flowing, single track. So, yeah, you know, some good, good enjoyable trails. Uh, yeah, I, I just can't get over the, the, the views, the scenery, you know, even just the, the alpine flowers as well, and just the sort of colours coming out from that. Um, you know, some of the, the rivers we're running past and you know, waterfalls, things like that. Um, yeah, and the crowd support as well around the aid stations and with the, the team as well. So having uh, team members out supporting at aid stations was, was fantastic. Uh, yeah, the lows were uh, the altitude and just not being able to push the way that I, I wanted to. Uh, but it was still a case of just going to get the job done. So it was just going to be slower than I was hoping, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, you still got it done. Yeah, um, still got it done. Yeah, it sounds absolutely incredible. I really want to go there now. Um, but um, because we're focusing on food today, um, let's get into the food side of your Lavredo experience a little bit. And oh my goodness, you had legendary mountain runners, Marco de Gasperi and Eliza Desco as your support crew. Yep. <laughs> How cool absolutely. is that? <laughs> yeah, you know, utter legends of the, of the sport. Uh, you know, mountain running, sky running, you know. Marco was the sort of one person that Killian Jurne was, was scared of competing against. You know, he was his biggest rival. Um, and Marco was the guy that was meeting me at three o'clock in the morning to give me my spare bottles. And, and then for the rest of the race, you know, that's, yeah, that, that was pretty cool. That um, sounds really cool. But yeah, I mean, nutrition, you know, there's, there's so much we can talk about regarding race nutrition. And when we're thinking about ultra marathons, race nutrition or, or sort of nutritional issues and gastrointestinal issues, you know, that is the biggest reason why people don't finish a race. So making sure that you, you give sufficient thought and planning to your, your nutrition, both in training and then obviously for the race itself, is, is crucial to success. You know, you can do all the miles, you can do all the kilometres, you can do all the, you know, the, the elevation training, you can do all that. But if you don't get your nutrition right, it's going to come undone on the day. Yeah. So absolutely, yeah. this is what we want to really kind of focus on on, on today's chat. Yeah. So I don't know whether there are any particular questions that have come up. Uh, I haven't managed to see anything or whether you've got particular questions for obviously your own uh, adventures that are coming up with, with Leighton 50 and things like that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we can talk about sort of my strategy, my thoughts, and then um, exactly how you can then interpret that yourself. Yeah, that would be absolutely fantastic because you've sent me some really organised looking photos of your food preparation. Um, so it'd be really great to go through your pre-race food planning because it looks a lot more organised than my just packets of jelly babies and flapjacks just shoved into my backpack. Um, yeah. So first I'm going to put up one of the photos that you sent um, of you organising your food. Um, there's the sort of little piles, um, little individual piles on the floor there. Um, I, you sent me quite a few. I'm not sure which one you wanted to talk about okay. first um but like how does your food strategy planning go it go um i suppose that side of it where you're laying it out for the actual race that's mm. after you've tried lots of stuff in training so maybe we should start at how how on earth do you test it during training like what makes a good test of that food because the other day i took one of these voom bars because they sent yeah. me they really kindly sent me these voom bars and they they tasted nice when i tried them at like at the race expo at the UTS, this is yeah. a beetroot bar. And then I, I, I had a beet, bite of one of these beetroot bars and I had to spit it out because it was just so revolting because yeah. it was beetroot yeah. flavored. And this was just like a really, really too sweet. And it just turned my tummy immediately. Like even jelly babies don't do that to me. So um, I will not be taking Voom with me, sadly. Sorry, Voom. Um, well, this is, this is it, you know, not every, you know, I will talk about the products that I use um, but they won't be right for everybody. This is where you need to test in training to find out which products work for you and, and which ones don't. Um, you know, you need to train your nutrition. You need to train your gut in exactly the same way that you think about training your, your legs and your muscle. Um, your, your gut can be trained. So, you know, historically, we used to think that you could only take on around about 60 grams of carbs an hour. And any more than that, of course, GI distress. But what we now know is you can package things up, mix your glucose and your fructose, um, and you can get up to 90 or even 120 grams an hour. Wow. And the more carbs you can take on, 
quite simply. The, the faster you can go, the, the better you'll perform, and also the less damage you will sustain during the race as well. So, you know, thinking about mountain marathons, they've shown that there's less muscle damage in those who can take on more carbohydrate. So it's something that you need to think about. But if all you've been doing in your training is taking on sort of 40, 50, 60 grams an hour, and then suddenly you try and take on 90, 100, 120 grams an hour, it's going to go wrong. Ah, okay. Because on my training, I used to run like, I used to when I was training for Costa Rica and stuff like that and tried to lose weight, I used to run for like two hours and not have anything in two hours. And then I suddenly realized with this round of training that I'm doing that after half an hour, I have something. And then I, from then on, I have something every half hour. Cause even though your muscles contain enough for 90 minutes of exercise, you're kind of already depleted once you get to that stage, especially if you're going to then go for like, um, another several hours after that. So I've been now trying to take like a, a jelly baby or two every 20 minutes or so um you have to carry a lot of jelly babies. yeah so that's it so you need to train your stomach so you know you can work through and again there's um some quite quite good protocols to work through where you gradually increase how much carbs you're taking on every hour in your training so you want to think about some of your key you know key training sessions and your key long runs where you actually practice your nutrition strategy okay will that um, not make me really fat though like will i not just get like really fat because no, i'm eating so much on my long run you'll go faster you'll recover better you'll do okay. more training oh, okay cool well this is good i like i like yeah. the sound of this um there's something you just mentioned there that you know you you tried eating the the room bars when you were just at rest at the expo and you felt they tasted nice but then when you were actually exercising and working at intensity your body decided it didn't like them and that's again what you need to practice is Often people will use nutrition products in training and they think they work, but then because they maybe work that a little bit harder in a race or, for example, how I was you know, in a hotter environment or at altitude, you don't practice in those environments and you find that actually nutrition strategy doesn't work when you get too hot, when your intensity goes up, when the altitude goes up. You're going back to Labrador. You know, I know a lot of people that really struggle with their nutrition, gastrointestinal distress. There are a lot of the, uh, a lot of the elites fail to finish um, because they had GI distress. Gosh. Um, or the, or the UK um, athletes that came over uh, really struggled with it. Um, and their theories, a couple of the people I spoke to, their theory was it was the altitudes that caused the, the GI distress whether it was the altitude, whether it was the heat, it wasn't that hot, to be fair, but um, whether it was the intensity they were going at because the race, you know, it is a fast start straight into a climb. Um, so, you know, whether it's that as well. So it, it could be any combination of things. But the point is you need to practice in training, taking nutrition on in those kind of environments as well so that you, you are training your gut and making sure you know what you're taking will work when it comes to race time. So, so that's, that's the first thing to think about. Yeah. Um, and once you've kind of identified you know, some products that work for you, it's then sort of really narrowing that down. So I'll send you an image through with a sort of bullseye. So it might yeah. be worth popping that up for those yeah. watching that's up on now. Yeah. YouTube. Uh, for those that are listening on the, the podcast, is really think about sort of three key things you're going to be using in your race. Keep things simple. So you don't want to have things that are too complex in, in terms of your nutrition plan. So I keep things simple. So I will generally use some form of, you know, simple carbs, a gel, for example, yeah, or it might be an energy drink. I'll be looking for something which is a little bit more real food, uh, particularly for those much longer races. So I use things called supernatural fuel pouches, which is just blended up food uh, in a pouch, a little bit like baby food. Um, and then think about something which is maybe a bit more savoury, a bit more salty, so you can get those maybe the electrolytes in. Um, but for each of your three core nutrition products you're going to be using, you want to have a, a backup alternative. So something that you know will always work. Um, you know, it's maybe not your most favourite taste um, that you would always reach for your, your favourite gel, but you know that that other gel will also work. Or, for example, your pack of the Jelly Babies or Haribo, you know, 
it's like a gel, but it's different. So that if you suddenly decide, like you did in that training run, oh, this room bar suddenly, I don't like it. Right, but I've got another bar which is similar, but a different taste. So again, the longer the races go on, the more risk of taste fatigue starts to come in. So you need a backup for when suddenly your taste buds just go, nah, I don't want that anymore. Yeah. And then what I will also have is, is a third layer of also backup ideas. So again, if that second backup food isn't working for me, what's my backup after that? Something which, again, isn't what you would normally use in a race, but you know you can take it on in training, you know your gut tolerates it. Um, so it might be, for example, for me, you know, my backup is I'll go for salty crisps uh, for, for those electrolytes. Um, it might be like, instead of taking on the, the supernatural fuel pouch, it might be I'll go for some some soaring or you know or malt loaf that type of thing, yeah. So it's just thinking about what those alternatives are going to be. The it's not is that's not your primary um, nutrition strategy, but it's something that you know you can turn to if you need. So it's just planning it out. You've got your primary things you're going to be using, the nutrition you're going to be carrying. Your backup is more maybe. Right, at the aid stations, I would expect to see X, Y, Z products. I might pick them up if I feel I want them for a different taste. They may or may not be my primary food source. And then you've got your emergency, as it were, of nothing's working, gut's not very happy, taste buds are rejecting everything. What am I going to turn to next? Yeah. What do you do when you, you know, like when you do get stomach issues like that, like should you be forcing stuff down or should you give it a rest or like, because if you don't feel, then maybe you'll grind to a halt. How should you cope with those situations? Yeah. So, if you know, if you do end up with, you know, some GI distress, then the best thing to do, you need to reduce the intensity. That's the first thing. Um, So drop it into a walk, walk it out. Just sip on plain water to keep the fluids going in, but don't give your gut anything complex to deal with. So just drop the intensity right down. So it's just hiking it out, sipping on some water, give it some time, and more often than not, it'll it'll come good. So yeah. don't you know don't pull out at that stage. Yeah. Uh, if you can keep just gently moving forward, slow it right down. I mean, I remember um, I was racing Trans Grand Canaria. Um, good few years ago um, and probably it was fairly early into the race probably about sort of 20 odd K into the race this is a sort of 120k race um, and I came across a, an Irish chap who uh, I think was vomiting at the side of the trail um, and I just said to him at that point I was like you know just slow it down you know we've just done a massive climb just walk it out sip some water and you're going to come good um, and he called me up at the end and he said, yeah, I had to walk for an hour. Um, and then after about an hour, I started feeling better again. I could then take my gels on board and I could then get one in again. And, it, and he then caught me back up and, and finished, uh, I think, literally just a, a few minutes behind me. Um, so it just shows, you know, you, you can do it. Just yeah. take your time. Yeah, I've had that happen to me before. I took a gel that I hadn't used before on the Druids Challenge. Um, it sounded really nice. It was a talk apple crumble gel and it tasted really, really sweet. Um, mm-hmm. And I'd run out of water just but like it was just before we were getting into an aid station. Um, so I realised, oh, no, I should have waited to get some water to take this gel. But I didn't. So I got a massive stomach cramps. So I had to walk all the way to the aid station and get some water. So, yeah, so yeah that that really... Yeah, that really does help. And it's not over, is it? That's that's a really important thing that I think we should stress is just because you've got a gut issue doesn't mean your race is over. So don't DNF, just slow yourself down and drink some water. Slow it down, see if you can come good. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, obviously, some people end up in a situation where, um, you know, they just can't take anything on board. Uh, and then it becomes obviously a bigger health risk to, to keep pushing through. Some people can, uh, but generally... If, you, if you're really struggling, then better to um, live to fight another day, as it were, rather than doing yeah. any further and I suppose if you're walking, you could get timed out as well. So there's those issues to consider. But yeah. a little but bit of a walk should... The, the, main, the main thing is we want to try and be in a position where that doesn't happen in the race because training has prepared us for that race. We know what nutrition will work, what won't work. Um, you know, I've spoken to people in the past who... Uh, you know, DNF, for example, the spine race, because 
they had their nutrition they were taking on, all the foods they were eating, and then suddenly they decided they were going to, they've heard about tailwind, uh, this is no disrespect to tailwind, um, but they then decided to add tailwind into their bottles to get some extra calories on board, and then that gave them those gut issues. The reason being, they've suddenly bumped their carbs per hour up by 50 grams. So whilst they trained on sort of 40 to 50 grams an hour in, in training, suddenly they're getting 100 grams an hour, and they then mess up their guts. So it's about knowing what works in training at your weight intensity, and you're not going to end up in the situation on race day. So it's, it's about that prior preparation. And we talked about this on some of other chapters um, in the past, that you really want to be testing and, and training everything, uh, all the scenarios prior to the race, so you know what's going to happen. Uh, so I suppose we just look back to that, whichever image it was you put up at the beginning there about everything into little piles. Yeah. So we talked before about planning your, your race in terms of your splits. So what I will be doing is I will think about, right, between start and aid station one or checkpoint one, it is going to take, there we go, perfect. I'm just you holding know, up my gradient profile for uh, Lakeland 50 for anyone listening yeah. on the podcast. And so I just how divided long is it going it to take you to get to checkpoint two, checkpoint three, four, five, et cetera? Yeah? You've got your timings. So you know how many minutes or hours it's going to take you to get from one to the other. And therefore, you can then work out how many grams of carbohydrate you're going to need between point A and point B. Give yourself a little bit of a buffer in case you slow down for any particular reason. But from there, you can then think, right, so if I'm going to, you know, if it's going to take me two hours to get between one checkpoint and another checkpoint, I'm going to need X number of gels, bars, sweets, drink, whatever it's going to be. So then you package it all up. So, again, I've sent you images where I've got things sort of t or bundles of stuff taped together. Um, so that, that image I sent you was uh, from the spine race. So what I tend to do is I will, um, again, break that race up. So the spine race, I mean, really, you only have sort of, well, 1.5 checkpoints, you know, one checkpoint, really. So it wasn't a resupply. I was carrying everything, but it was still bundled up into little, little packages so that all I was thinking about was, for me, it was three hours at a time. So I would pull out my little bundle of nutrition. That was my nutrition for the next three hours. Yeah. When I taped it together, and then I write on that tape little notes for myself. You know, what's coming up over the next three hours? How far is, you know, what's my distance split? What's the time split? What's the elevation? Are there any particular landmarks I'm looking for? Um, are there any places I'm expecting to refill my bottles? You know, if it's something like the spine rate. Um, you know, those type of things. Um, Joseph Perry, the, the sports psychologist, uh, has got some really good tips on even just things like marathon running. He's right on your gels, you know, other little notes. So, you know, motivational tips. Uh, or she gets her kids to write little notes on her gels. When she pulls her gels out, she kind of sees that. And, uh, a kid does. That's one, a really good idea. Um, you know, so it might be you get, you, know, you get your kids to do that or you write yourself little, little motivational notes you know, your, your reason for doing that race, that why out there doing it. So that when it is hard and you pull out that gel, you read that note, it just gives you that extra little motivational boost. So again, I like, you know, writing stuff. Um, one of the other images I showed you where things were taped together, but, you know, one of the other things I like about the supernatural fuel pouches is because they are bigger, uh, there's more space to stick a big bit of tape on and write myself more notes. So again, it just helps you psychologically break the race down into segments. Yeah, I can just, I'm just going to zoom in for anybody um, watching on the YouTube channel. You can see that Tim's written little notes all on, on the back of his pouches. I think these are precision hydration pouches, these ones, and then the super fuel ones there. Yeah, um, and, but you've also got some fisherman fr fishermen's friends in the top left. Trail running Phil ah, spotted them. Yeah. <laughs> he said, blimey. <laughs> so... Um, I quite like having either sort of very strong mint or uh, so fisherman friends is, is one option or um, very strong peppermint. Again, it's useful for just refreshing your mouth. So again, taste fatigue, you know, you're taking on the same gels, the same energy drink, the same bars, whatever it is, your mouth just starts to get a bit, a bit claggy. Yeah. Um, particularly if you're doing races where you're going through the night, 
Um, you know, again, I've, I know people that will pack a toothbrush and toothpaste into a drop bag. So again, they can just give their mouth a bit of a freshen up. Um, generally, because I'm I'm trying to push the pace a little bit, I don't want to stop and brush my teeth. Um, but I will have some mints packed away. Um, so again, you know, I was using Fisherman Friends again just to kind of clear the mouth, um, clear the nasal passages because they are quite quite strong those ones. Yeah. Um, but is it is, Would you it not is just go for chewing gum? Would you not go for chewing gum because, like, maybe you might choke on it if you're going really fast? But maybe uh, that's an option for slower runners. Yeah, then you know, where do you dispose of that chewing gum? In uh, the wrappers of the other things. <laughs> yeah, it could be, yeah, it could be. Um, yeah, that's a fair shout. Um, it, it's not something I particularly go for. Um, personally, I find if I use chewing gum because it then stimulates more saliva production, I then start to feel hungry. Uh, yeah. I'm chewing away on something. So mints uh, is the thing, yeah. So that's why I tend to go for more just the mints or, yeah. like I say, the Fisherman Friends in this case. Uh, I'm not sponsored by Fisherman Friends, but they are. <laughs> you could ask them. It doesn't begin with an S, though, so I don't know if it's for you. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was going to ask you about teeth. Like, do you know anything about dental hygiene and dental protection? Um, because I, I've had two fillings since I started ultra running, and I used to have perfect teeth. And I reckon it's because I used to hold jelly babies at the side of my mouth for long yeah. periods of time. They would just gradually dissolve, which is yes. hideous. Dentists listening will probably be screaming. But, yeah, yeah like, what, what kind of tooth care, like, especially on a multi-dayer, like... Do you have any advice on, around that? Um, it's a very good point, and I'm sure the dentist will um, certainly chip in in terms of, you know, sports drinks, energy drinks, gels, etc., are, are not good for your teeth and for your dental hygiene. Um, I guess the, the the main thing is make sure that you maintaining good general dental hygiene in the rest of the. And floss and so on and so forth. Um, in terms of when you're training and racing, it might be that you are trying to then wash down your gels with just plain water. So again, you'll see on um, those those images I've shown you there. Um, you know, Labrador was primarily gel focused, and in my bottles was um, was water picking up from the aid stations bit of precision hydration electrolytes uh, and then yes i did have some um bottles i was um, collecting which also had energy drink in this case um, some some water um but you know if i was having a gel i then wash that down with with water so again that's helping sort of flush out the mouth a little bit um yeah. i know again not supported by water but i know one of their um <laughs> selling points is the fact that um, the way their hydrogel works is you can just get it straight down into your stomach. It's not needing to sit in your mouth uh, and then it breaks down into your stomach to then, um, to then release the energy that way. So, again, I, I know one of their sales pitches is is better for uh, oral hygiene. Um, What's that brand? Sorry. It... That's the Morton. Oh, so Morton. Oh, okay, yeah. I thought you said I'm not sponsored by water, and I was like, oh, oh neither is anyone. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you know, um, you know, they got their hydrogel uh, formula there. So um, yeah, I again, really like it's something to consider. Um, but I would just make sure that you're generally looking after yourself uh, before and after training sessions. Yeah. You know, I know the dentist will say, you know, if you're going out and doing a a training session where you're taking on board a, you know, energy drink, gels, etc. You know, when you get in, you go for your shower, brush your teeth at the same time. Yeah. Or before you have the shower, whatever. Yeah, you definitely. can brush your teeth in the shower, I suppose, if you want. Yeah, definitely. Um, and um, I, I, no I noticed that you have a lot of, um, it, like the superfoods, obviously, real food, and on the bullseye thing, there was the malt loaf and stuff, but most of your food did seem to be like pouches of food. Um, and Graham Hawkins has got the question, um, uh, if you, do you advocate real food and gels or a mixture of both or like, because yours all seems to be quite pouchy based, but yeah. like, would you recommend so, like pizza, you know, like real stuff like quiche, yeah, yeah. pizza, cheese, because like on my 20 miler on the weekend, I took jelly babies, these grazed flapjacks I found, which are really melt in the mouthy and ham and cheese sandwiches. Um, but I had to drink water with every bite of my sandwich. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. To get it down, like to make it just go down, because I was really dry of the mouth. It was a hot day, um, so yes. yeah. Like, do you ever eat like a ham and cheese sandwich, or are you too elite uh, now to be running that slowly? <laughs> so, generally, not me personally. Um, I Marco did make me a um, a ham sandwich uh, in, in in the race, and I, I did actually stop and have that um, at one point. But um, generally, it's, it's intensity-based, really. So, you know, if you're pushing the intensity, if you're really going absolutely max effort, um, and, and max effort for whatever distance is before, um, then I'll be generally going some liquids, gel, blending up food, uh, over. Yeah. Again, if the race is less than 12 hours, you can kind of do that without a meal, as it were. But once you're going over 12 hours, then you start to need to think about, you know, hunger. So, again, I, this is where the supernatural fuel pouches come in for me, because um, over 12 hours, even if my energy intake is, is really good and I'm feeling, you know, full of energy, I can still start to feel hungry because my stomach just wants something else to kind of process. For me, that's where the supernatural fuel pouches come in because, you know, they're, they're easily digested because it's all blended up. But there's just a little bit more texture and structure to it. Plus, it's got protein, it's got fat in there. So, again, it just meets some of those needs a bit more. Um, so that's what kind of gets me through the, the longer type races. If your intensity is that bit lower, so, you know, if you are middle, back of the pack, you know, you're not going as hard as you possibly could, um, maybe more within yourself, then you're going to have more blood supply available to, to go to your stomach, to go to your intestines. So you can be able to process that real food more effectively. So yes, absolutely. Um, you know, going for, for real real food. I have one of my athletes who do his races on sushi, um, rocket and hummus wraps and sandwiches. Uh, you know, I know when people analysed um, Killian Journey's um, nutrition last year when he was doing you know, UTMB and Hard Rock and so on and so forth, you know, he was taking on you know, avocado wraps and things like that for just that little bit more solid food, but also for the, the fats and the proteins. So, you know, that's always a, another good option. You know, Ultra Runner's favourite is, is pizza as well, because, again, it's giving you that, that mix of, uh, you know, some savoury in there, uh, as well as obviously some some carbs and some some good fats. So yeah, absolutely. You know, looking at, at real food is is an option. Uh, yeah. Again, I've... for the much longer races, where you know you're going through you know at least one day, if not into two, then I'd be looking at timing that real food around when you'd naturally have a meal. So roughly around breakfast time, I would try and eat something solid. Lunch time, I would take on something a little bit more solid. Again, evening time, same same idea again. Yeah, yes, and um, yeah, and it just it seems that you do need to think about things a little differently, like to make food a little bit more slippery than usual. That's what I yeah. found with um, you just get a bit of a dry mouth. So stuff like rice pudding, tin peaches, baked beans, fish yeah. and chips, like stuff that, like I took on my Bob Graham round, I took like loads of cheap packets of cheesy cheddars and I yes. just found I couldn't eat them at all because yeah. usually you'd just be like, mmm, a cheesy cheddar, that's nice, but they're so dry when you, yeah, when you've that's been done so 12 hours. It goes back to, yes, you test it in training, but you've got to test it in training at, in, in race conditions. So this is where, you know, your B races and your C races, you know, they build up events that you're doing. 
you know, you can be fine tuning. You know, ask yourself, right, I'm, you know, six hours into my, you know, my big long run. It's quite warm. Maybe I'm a little bit dehydrated. Can I still eat that solid food? You know, does that packet of crisps still go down? Yeah. Do those cheesy cheddars still go down? Uh, if not, right, I need to know what my backup plan is. And sometimes you, you won't be able to do that unless you're on a race because, I mean, I, I had never run more than 12 hours before before I did the Bob Graham round and that took me 26 and a half hours. So I didn't know what was going to go down. I ended up nicking my pacers, mashed potato and corned beef because um, he had a Tupperware of mashed potato yep. and corned beef and it just was really nice and took my yep. fancy. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So, yeah, That's it just... Courtney DeWalter's um, go-to is, is the mashed potato is sort of just pouches there yeah, yeah absolutely yeah it's really nice with a bit of butter um yeah of course you need refrigeration techniques if you've got a crew there um but then we've got um a comment live from carl denton he says that he always finds he needs the loo after about 25 miles and he's not sure if it's all the sugary food at aid stations and and yeah i was gonna i was gonna ask you like yeah what do you do on on these longer things that could be taking you like i don't know 12 24 even hours like lakeland 50 is probably going to take me 16 hours at the absolute best with the training as it's going at the moment like what do you do if you need like a number one is obviously fine but like what do you yeah. need if you just need a number two like yeah do you have to take tissues with you absolutely yeah yeah um so you do uh in a spine race you've got to take a little trowel for burying it as well um, yeah so yeah you've got to think about obviously just good um trail etiquette mm -hmm. uh but yeah um you know aid stations will usually have portaloos, so it's maybe thinking about that. Uh, you know, are you somebody that's, you know, super regular in terms of time of day? Uh, so again, you might be thinking about that. Uh, and thinking, what, you know, normally around about 7 a.m. when I get up, I would normally go to the toilet. Well, where am I going to be around 7 a.m. in the race? Mm. Uh, so, yeah, that might be, might be something to consider. I do know that people, um, and I've done it myself in the past, don't recommend it now, but, you know, we'll use Imodium to you know, try and slow things down. Oh, I've never thought about but doing that. doesn't sound too healthy. <laughs> I no, I wouldn't recommend that. No. Um, because we want things to be working. We want things to be processing. Yeah, you want stuff to go through. <laughs> yeah. If you're needing to go to reach for Imodium in a race, then uh, it means that you're not getting the nutrition right and that there's a problem. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you're ending up with things like one of those trots, you know, diarrhea in the race things like that generally it means that you, you haven't got your nutrition strategy right you haven't got it dialed in um, it's usually because you've taken on too many carbohydrates too quickly uh, concentration in your intestines is is too high the body then shunts water into your intestines to try and dilute that concentration so then you end up with obviously this watery mixture um, which then comes out the other end ah. so um, it, it generally means that you've, you haven't got things right in terms of your intake. Um, so you either haven't trained up for it or you've taken too much on board too quickly. Yeah, sugar can definitely make you need to go, that's for sure. And exactly. it can cause some like gut issues if you then can't because you're in the middle yes. of somewhere where you absolutely can't. Um, exactly. But also caffeine, I found. Like, I'm very sensitive to caffeine. Yeah. So, like... Like if I think, oh, it'd be good to sort of go before the race, I'll deliberately drink a coffee in the morning and then I'll be like, right, need to go to the loo and then I'm good for yep. the race. So you can sort of use it to your to your Absolutely. advantage if you know like how your body works. So yeah, caffeine yep. is, an, is another Absolutely. one that makes you, know, you Have a cup go. of coffee, go for a run around the block, go to yeah. the portable, then go to the start thing. Yeah, absolutely spot on. And that's actually written into uh, the warm-up routine I give, um, give my athletes as well. But, ah, cool. um, as part of that kind of pre-race routine is, you know, if it works for you, have a coffee, do your warm-up, and then go to the portal because yeah. that generally will get things moving. Yeah, it makes sense to empty everything out beforehand, doesn't it? Because then you'll be lighter and less, mm -hmm. less uncomfortable. Well, That's a great question from Carl there. Thank you. Um, and today, um, Cantwell says, um, on his ultra, he took a gel and then a bar um yep. uh, and then a gel i think so i think he alternated them to break yeah, up the food yeah. yeah yeah and again we want to think about the the timing of that nutrition as well uh, so how frequently you want to be taking stuff on board so ASCA you can drop stun again if you're not familiar with ASCA's work is certainly 
explore his his website um, and, and all his resources. He's got really good free resources out there. Um, but they found in some of their studies that you can absorb more if you take it uh, maybe every 20 minutes rather than every 10 or every 15. Okay. So having maybe a little bit more every 20 minutes is better than a little less every 10 or 15 minutes. Okay. You, your stomach can just sort of process things a little better like that. Yeah. So, you know, in you know big, long ultras, I, I will set an alarm on my watch. Oh, I need so I to work out how alarm. to do that. Um, so every 20 minutes, my watch will vibrate and tell me, boy, you need to eat slash drink something. Yeah. Uh, which is very easy to get lost in the moment and lose track of time and um, suddenly realize you've not eaten anything for 45 minutes or an hour. Yeah. So an alarm is, is a useful thing to have, particularly when you're getting a bit tired and maybe your brain's not working quite optimally. Yeah, definitely. So using a timer for every 20 minutes, you may find that that's too frequent. And I think for the much longer ultras, then reducing that down to maybe every 30 minutes is probably fair enough. Uh, so again, it depends on what you're taking on. You know, if you're eating more more real food, then you'll probably find that, yes, taking something every every half an hour. So it might be, you know, it might be something like a gel on the hour and a bar on the half hour. That yeah. type of thing. That yeah. might work well for you um, or whatever combination you're looking at. But yeah, find the frequency that you can then tolerate in order to get enough calories on board. So you but really course, are just eating too the entire much time. too quickly. That's where you can then end up causing problems. Yeah. So it just seems like you're just constantly eating then on one of these races. What about? Well, yeah, that's what these races are all about, yeah. isn't it? Eating competition. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about taking it in your drink? Because that's something I don't ever really do. Just because I, I'm a, I don't really own any stuff, and I just like, oh, I'll just take some jelly babies. Here we go. Yeah. But I'm starting to think a bit more seriously now because of my training. Not, re I can't really train as much. So now I'm like all of the extra marginal gains that I need. I have yeah. to look into. I can't just bring it anymore. So I'm thinking about putting some Morton powder into my bottles so like having maybe one water and one electrolyte slash carbs type drink in there um yeah how do you go about using um electrolytes or energy powders in that way yeah. so i mean there's there's a solid theory for and particularly forward by you know, precision fuel and fuel and hydration as they're now known um which is you want to try and separate your hydration strategy and your fueling strategy. Okay. Reason being, obviously, if you're in a you know, hot environment um, and you're needing to drink more, the danger is if your calories are in your drink and then you drink a lot of your drink very quickly, you can suddenly put too many calories into your stomach in one go and that can then cause GI distress. Mm -hmm. And therefore, the theory is, you know, keep your hydration strategy and your fueling strategy separate. Okay. So that fuel goes in at the right frequency, at the right amount. Yeah. Um, that being said, you know, there's plenty of people out there, me included, who will also include calories in, in the liquid form because it's just easier to get on board. Yeah. Um, so I do what you just said there, which is have one bottle, which is... Uh, electrolyte and one which is energy drink mm. so I can be using my energy drink um, at the frequency that I wanted to take on my, my calories but then I can drink the other water or electrolyte bottle simply to thirst and then there's no danger of me taking too many calories too quickly if I'm needing to drink more uh, yeah. because it is hot or you know sweating whatever it is yeah and some people, they don't use a powder, but they just use a gel and they just squirt the gel into their water bottle. And that's how they get their energy drink. Yeah. Is that something can, that you'd recommend at all? Can do that uh, as long as it mixes up right. The danger is yeah. that, you know, one mouthful, you get a certain percentage of your energy and the next one, you get a much bigger percentage of that energy. Or it's just so a blob at the sure bottom. That it mixes well. Yeah. Uh, that's always the danger there. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, there's other, you know, people will decant you know, lots of gels or they'll make a very concentrated um, energy drink in one of their bottles. So they take a mouthful of a maybe very concentrated um, energy drink to might be two times concentration, three or even four times concentration. So you take a mouthful of the energy drink and then wash it down with 
uh, the required amount of water. Yeah. So then you're carrying all your energy in one bottle and you've just got to fill up your water from the aid stations or streams or whatever you yeah. go and buy. You know, yeah. So that's another strategy yeah. that you know, I have used and, and can work very effectively. And that way you don't have to keep undoing gels and finding somewhere to put the packets and things like no. that. So that's quite handy as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I like that one. Yeah. Or um, again, you know, if you're using powder, you know, that's what some people do. You know, if they're using, for example, tailwind um, powder is rather than having, you know, carrying lots of these little stick packs and needing to then um, put the powder in every single aid station, is mm -hmm. just make up a four times concentrated bottle of powder. And just then take a mouthful of that very concentrated sugary drink and wash it down with water that way. Yeah. So it's something yeah. you can try, yeah. um, but it is a very sugary mouthful. Mm. Uh, so it, again, some people then don't like that in terms of that very very sweet taste. Yeah. I wonder if you could just swallow something, you know, like, you know, like they, they tried a while ago to produce those little packets of water, didn't they, in like algae, like it was like an algae cellophane type thing that was just totally digestible. I wonder if that you could just swallow. Well, that's the idea by the Morton gels. Yeah, stuff. that's, yeah, that's what I was thinking yeah. there. They're, they're, yeah. they're hydrogel, um, which is a much more solid gel. You know, you can take it out of the packet and it would still maintain its shape. It's, it's not as liquid as your normal gels. So that's the idea behind that. You take it on board, you swallow it. Uh, and again, that's where their argument is. It's maybe better for your teeth because you don't then have all this sugary mixture floating around in your mouth. You just swallow this. It's almost like a piece of jelly. Yeah, yeah. It's like jelly that sort of slips down. Like whereas a jelly baby, you actually actively have to chew. So I think that I'm going to be emailing Morton in a minute and trying to blag some stuff off them because it's really expensive to buy. <laughs> it is. Good luck. Uh, I don't fancy your chances, but good luck. I yeah. know, I know. Sometimes they send stuff as like samples, but yeah, usually if they've got new things. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I might do some begging. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Severin's just asked a question. Um, how do you keep the food plan and the energy drink separate? Do you mean alternate? Yeah, I think we just mean like, as in if you have all your water with carbs in, then it gets difficult to just drink. So just always keep one bottle of water, even if you've got some carbs in uh, some That's energy right. drink so on the other side. So your hydration, you want to be drinking to thirst. So you want to know, you know, how much you, you sweat. You want to know roughly how many, you know, litres you'll be getting through an hour, maybe, uh, or even just over the course of the race. So you don't want to be thinking about that. Um, but generally, you want to be thinking about just you know, drinking to thirst. So when you're thirsty, have a drink, all good. Yeah. Rather than forcing fluid down when maybe you don't need it, but you're needing to get your calories on board. So that's what I mean about keeping your, your fueling separate to your hydration. Or, of course, if it's very, very hot and you're needing to drink more, you don't want to be taking on more calories or you burn through, you know, if you, let's say you go back, we've got two hours between one aid station and the next, and you drink all your calories in that first hour because you've been thirsty, and now you've got another hour where you're not taking anything on board because you've run out of your calories. You know, that's that's the kind of separating out. So you have your, hyd your hydration, so you can just drink as much as you need, but then your calories are going in at the required intervals. Yeah. So always have some just pure water to wash stuff yeah. down. Or squash, so again, other races, you know, I, I will generally have my, my two bottles between aid stations, but I'll probably always have a backup of at least another soft flask which I can refill. So, you know, at Lavaredo, uh, I would then just fill up another soft flask with just plain water, and I'll be walking out the aid station just sipping away on that, that plain water, um, separate to you know the energy that I was getting from uh, one of my flasks and, and electrolytes on the other one. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and have you just got one last one time for one last question, Tim? Yeah. It's just to recap. I know you've said this tons of times before, but could you just recap your aid station efficiency there around the nutrition? Because um, I think that's really useful, especially dur like during this nutrition broadcast, just to highlight how you go into aid stations efficiently. Yeah. So it's you've got a plan because you you've sorted out your plan, you you made your plan in advance. So you know when you're arriving at this aid station that you're going to be wanting to pick up. So I will have on my plan, when I arrive at this aid station, as part of my nutrition strategy, I'm wanting to pick up 
maybe some bits of fruit. So I'll be looking for, you know, those quarters of orange. <coughs> I want to pick up a banana. Um, I'm expecting, you know, it's the latter part of the day. It's probably been quite hot. I've sweated a lot. I'm probably going to want to pick up some, you know, some salted peanuts or some crisps. So that's kind of written into it. So when I'm, when I'm approaching that aid station, I've got a clear idea in my mind what I'm looking for. So you don't just walk up to those tables and then just look at them, think, oh, what do I fancy? Do I want that? Do I want that? You go in there looking for um, you know, specific food, food items. Um, things like, you know, if you're refilling your, your bottles with, with powder, quite often the first thing you come to at that aid station are the, you know, the bowels of, of water, um, you know, jugs of water, whatever it's going to be. So you want to be you know, refilling your bottles. So in other words, before you even get to that aid station, you want to be thinking about getting your powder in those empty bottles because those bottles should be empty by the time you reach that aid station. So it might be um, there's a little bit of a climb. You're going to be hiking up um, a bit of a climb. Whilst you're hiking, because you're not bouncing around quite so much, refill that empty bottle with your powder so it's ready to go as soon as you get there. And that might be, you know, some way off from your aid station. So as soon as you finish one bottle, if you're in a position where you're just hiking for, for a minute or two, get your next bit of powder out and get that in your bottle ready. So that all you need to do when you arrive at that aid station, get your water in there, lid on, shake it up, boom, back in your pack, and you're ready to move on. Rather than arriving at the aid station, get your bottle out, find your powder, get your powder in your bottle, then refill it. You know, those... 30 seconds, 60 seconds, you know, do that, you know, two bottles at each aid station. You know, half a dozen aid stations over the course of a, of a race or maybe even more, that soon adds up. So, you know, if you're, if you're chasing the front of the field, that's going to make a big difference. And if you're chasing cutoffs, that's going to make a big difference. So, you know, just getting slick with your aid stations is, is crucial. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like the if you way you're like... Up, have the food take the food put it in your pocket and munch it on the way like munch it while walking yeah. don't sit down beware the chair i'm sure that you well, said yeah that. <laughs> beware the chair absolutely you know i've i've walked out of eight stations with bowls of pasta and you know things like that in the past and stews and you're walking up the trail eating your stew you know you can get five ten minutes up the road then you're finished put your, your bowl and your, your your spork away and then you get moving again but it means you're five, ten minutes further up the trail than you would be if you'd just been sat still eating. Um, you know, again, leaving an aid station with a cup of tea. Just walk up, you know, walk up the, the road whilst you're sipping away your cup of tea or your coffee or whatever it might be. And you can still just get that extra two, three, five minutes up the road rather than just staying still. Relentless forward progress needs to be there. <laughs> yeah. I want to change that though from relentless forward progress to enjoyable forward progress. Oh, yes. <laughs> relentless exactly. sounds a bit like, oh my God, it's yeah. a toddler wake at 4 a.m. again. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I am in life. <laughs> um, I always, um, just one point to add that I've just remembered is that I, I take my phone out during my long runs and on races actually. I write little notes like about nutrition, about new gear that I should try. Is this working? Is that working? Because you just will forget by the end of the race. Yeah. And then when you come to your next training run, you read through them all and you're like, oh, I'll pack that this time or I'll do that this time. So, yeah, yeah that's just yeah, so another little tip. Training, races, you know, training sessions, races, you want to be making those notes. You know, what did you take on? How many grams an hour was that? How did that work for you? Did you have any issues? Um, so that you can then keep finding it. So that's where you know, your, your post-workout or post-race notes and evaluations need to come in. Yeah, and I do that post-training run as well. Um well, I think that's all we've got time for today, isn't it, Tim? You've got to get back. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, just thank you so much for all that amazing information. No it's so good to have you uh, as a part of the team. One thing to add in was uh, I've talked about, obviously, Supernatural Fuel as um, oh, yes. one of the products yeah. that I use. Uh, and I did a review of them um, for this channel, so maybe put a, a link on to, to that. Or link below or whatever. Um so, yeah, they've given us a, a wild ginger running discount code. So if anybody is interested in, in trying these, uh, you can get a 20% off for the rest of this month. Uh, and the code is uh, WGR23. Uh, send that through to you on, on email. Awesome. Um, I'm pretty sure that's right. So if anybody is interested in, in trying them, it's just a, another way to get those, those mixture of, 
of real food, but easily uh, easily digestible, easily carried. Um, and the other, you know, the other nice thing about the, the company is the, the packaging is recyclable. Amazing. So they send you a, a stamp to desk return envelope. So you return the, the packets, you know, the packets back to them for, for recycling. Uh, you know, unlike really all the other gel wrappers, which just go, go on landfill. Uh, so that's something else which I think is, is worth applauding. Yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. I'm going to actually contact them to see if I can get some samples to take with me on the late of 50. So, so yeah, thanks for that discount, Tim. That's really kind of you to arrange that for us. Um, and I'll put a oh. link to that and um, yeah, I'll put a link to that and your review in the film description below as well. Because yeah, you've been yeah. using them really successfully, haven't you? Yeah, and you know, there's a lot of other you know, there's a lot of big names that are um, supported and, and using them. So, you know. Damien Hall, um, you know, he, he's supported by them. John Kelly, um, Emma Stewart. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of, you know, big names in the, the Ultronic world have, have come to the, using these products and have now been supported as well. So, um, you know, if they're good enough for the likes of, of Emma and John and, uh, and, and Damien, then, uh, yeah, it's, it's worth, worth giving a go if you like that. Uh, a bit more real food, but uh, packaged up a little bit more easily for, for racing. Yeah, they sound brilliant. I was just going to go and buy a load of baby's pouches from Ella's Kitchen, but I yeah. will contact Supernatural Fuel first. Again, I mean, it's another you know, another common um, product that people will use is is quite simply that is this the sort of Ella's um, you know and other baby food um, pouches, and you yeah. can get some maybe some interesting flavours there. Um, yeah. You know, Supernatural Fuel ones are it's nice and simple. There's nothing too complex, uh, which is again as as people have picked up from my nutrition strategy, it's pretty simple. I don't get things too complicated. But if you want a bit more flavour in there, then yeah, there's, there's other ways to do it. Yeah, they're just not very high in calories and they've not got a lot of salt in those baby food pouches. So they don't taste that great. That's what I found. Yes. But yeah, I'll try Supernatural. Yes. They sound really, really cool. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Cool. cool. I hope that's been useful. Yeah. Well, what's next for you, Tim? What, what are we going to see on your Instagram next popping up? Are you just resting at the moment or are you training for your next big thing now? Um, so the next, uh, well, really the only other race I've got left this season is the Ridgeway Challenger okay. uh, in September. So 86 miles along the, the Ridgeway. Lovely. So that's the, that's the last one to do there. So I've done, uh, I'm actually going to hopefully go down and recce the first part of the, the Ridgeway because uh, although I, I grew up on the Ridgeway, uh, and I know the sort of latter sections of it, um, from sort of Uffington, Whitehorse, Uffington Castle, through to Avery itself, I don't know the eastern end of the Ridgeway. So I've never never done that. So it'll be good to, to put it all together. Um, but I did race to the Stones back in, well, I've done it a couple of times now, but 2019 was, was the year that I, I won Race to the Stones. Okay. So it'd be good to go back and... Uh, through the whole distance rather than just the last 100k yeah yeah that would be brilliant oh fantastic well we'll eagerly watch your instagram for that it's tim at hp3 isn't it on there um I'll, that's all linked in the film description below as well and tim has done so many other great talks for us guys so his playlist um is in the film description below and if you google wild ginger running um tim pickett then you'll find it there or if you're on the podcast if in your usual podcast provider just um search wild ginger running tim pickett and all of his amazing chats will come up because it's just such a wealth of information on ultra running like if you if you listen to all these chats you've got like probably a hundred percent more chance of finishing your ultra successfully and enjoying it i would say all good all good well hopefully it's been it's been useful yeah yeah, yeah it has thank you so much tim and uh, all right. yeah all the best for your next training block thank you very much all right i'll speak to you soon cool. Take care. see you then tim bye yes. even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.